This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme with myself, John O'Connor, and colleagues. Later in the programme, details of two vital nitrates action plan meetings being held in the area. Some tips on successful calf rearing and Cork West ploughing competition postponed as a mark of respect due to a bereavement in the area. Commendable work being done in Timaligue to monitor water quality in agricultural catchment areas revealed, plus the Keelshire Gresham deal. But first, details of our sponsor Dairy Gold's sustainability bonus. Dairy Gold Cooperative Society Limited, our sponsor, launches a €10 million Euro sustainability bonus for its milk suppliers. The grassroots bonus builds on the existing 0.25 cent per litre sustainability bonus introduced by Dairy Gold in 2019 and will give Dairy Gold's milk suppliers the opportunity to receive a total of 0.75 cent per litre equivalent by participating in the bonus programme. Bonus payments will be made to Dairy Gold's milk suppliers who participate in six separate actions, namely a water quality farm visit, the purchase of qualifying protected urea products, a soil health programme, farmer training, milk recording and herd health. Speaking at the launch of the grassroots bonus, Dairy Gold chairman Mr Sean O'Brien said... Dairy Gold milk suppliers are at the core of any positive action we take as an industry to address the climate change and environmental challenge, rewarding them for the positive sustainability changes they're making on their farms is crucial to ensure we have as much support as possible for our collective goal of meeting our environmental targets. And commenting on the grassroots bonus, Dairy Gold Chief Executive Mr Conor Gavin said, We have a proud record of working with our milk suppliers to promote adoption of best practices in quality milk production. Our milk suppliers are very aware of the need to enhance environmental performance. This investment in our grassroots bonus is our way of recognising the effort and improvements being made on farm to ensure our milk is produced even more sustainably. The grassroots bonus is open to all milk suppliers now and milk suppliers will be paid from the month they sign up to the bonus programme. 
Details there of the launch of Dairy Gold, Cooperative Society Limited, €10 million Euro sustainability bonus for its milk suppliers. Dairy Gold are sponsors of our Farm Talk programme. Delays in approval for plantings are putting forestry targets in jeopardy, it's been claimed. IFA Farm Forestry Chair Mr Jason Fleming said the delay in getting state aid approval for the new forestry programme 2023-2027 to means this year's targets are unlikely to be met. He said we're off to a bad start. Reacting to reports that no less than eight EU member states are pressurising the EU Commission to, quote, build in environmental and sustainability targets to a proposed trade deal between the European Union and Australia, the president of the Irish Creamery Milk Supplier Association, Mr Papa Cormac, said this most simple and self-evident step forward has been a very long time coming, but he said it was, quote, better late than ever if included in the agreement and critically, of course, if actually implemented. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmer Association National Sheep Chair Mr Sean McNamara has advised farmers that they now have a good chance to get tougher in demanding higher sheep prices. Mr McNamara said factories are struggling now to get lambs and prices are edging upwards. IFA President Mr Tim Cullinan said the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission CCPC has a critical role to play in assessing the potential impact that further consolidation of the cattle and sheep processing sector will have on competition within the sector for farmers. He made his comments following the announcement of the proposed purchase of Kildare chilling by Dawn Meats. Details of Cork West ploughing. Miss Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Caroline, welcome to the programme. Now you begin with details of a match postponement due to a bereavement in the area. Yes, John, thank you very much. The ploughing match that was to be held tomorrow, Sunday, the 29th of January, has now been postponed due to a bereavement in the area. Weather permitting, Clegoch will hopefully hold their match on Sunday, the 5th of February. Now, uh, Kilbritton are going to go ahead on this coming Sunday, the 29th of January. That is weather permitting, and that will be held on the lands of Bertie O'Mani and family, Baltina Kin, Kilbritton. And the air code is P72K065. Plowing will commence at 11am sharp, and entries are to be with Rachel on... 087-624-6713 by 12 noon today, Saturday, the 28th of January. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Miss Caroline Jennings, PRO Cork West Ploughing Association. Thank you very much indeed, Caroline. Thanks a million. OK, John, thank you. Joining us on the Farm Programme, Mr Aidan Brennan, Dairy Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Aidan, welcome to the programme. Now, in the journal this week and in the previous week, there's been an awful lot of coverage, uh, very detailed uh, specialist coverage of calves. Calf rearing costs up 44% since 2021. Yes, John, the biggest cost increase really is to do with the cost of milk and particularly milk replacer. So those costs have gone up about 20% per year over the last two years. Um, obviously, then there's other costs, such as feed uh, has also gone up. And as we know, calves do need feed and, and they also need straw, and that's gone up in cost. And then there's the cost of the calf itself has also been fluctuating depending on the quality of the calf that's being purchased. So it's the, the big increase in cost really is to do with, with, with the milk and the milk replacer because of the 
the overall big increases in the cost of, of, of milk replacer in the commodity markets and so forth. So that's the, the main increase in cost. And I suppose, look, farmers are looking at ways that they can reduce those costs. And there's different you know, options available in terms of what milk replacer to purchase. There is a trade-off between quality and price, and that's always the case. So I suppose farmers need to be very careful in what product they're choosing in order to make sure that it has sufficient quality in it to generate high growth rates, which, which farmers need, whether they're buying beef calves or a rearing dairy heifers. Of course, Chagas, as usual, playing a very important part in Irish agriculture. So the Chagas Every Calf Project, anything at all about uh, that Chagas Every Calf Project, one of a number of projects which we're hearing about recently? Yeah, so this was, um, I suppose, a scheme. They organised a contract rearing programme. So the dairy male calves, so these are calves from dairy herds that are not being used for as replacements, um, they were sent to the west of Ireland uh, from the, 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 Mo- the Moorpark, the Chagas Research Facility in Moorpark. They went to the west of Ireland to these contract rearing farms. Uh, now, contract rearing is usually associated with rearing heifers, but this is for rearing bull calves. Um, the animals were still owned by Chagas, but the, the contract rearers were paid a daily rate for rearing these male calves, and for every, um, I suppose, if, when they reached a greater than their target weight, the rearers then got a bonus when those animals were sold. So there was, I suppose, a sharing of the of the margins at the end of the day between the, the, the primarily beef farmers who are rearing these calves on behalf of Chagas and Chagas then who owned them. So it was interesting. They looked at different breeds and the elements of um, of performance between the between the different types of breeds, and you know, and they had all sorts of breeds from purebred jerseys, which most farmers wouldn't be happy with, um, to, you know, really high beef marriage, Belgian blue calves. So there was a, a big variation there. It's all available in the journal in order to get more information on the different margins between them. But um, it was, it, I suppose, it was good for Chagas to be involved in this. We were hearing, hearing an awful lot, John, about the challenges and the issues with dairy calf to beef systems. So Chagas are heavily involved in it, as are the farmers' journals with the Try program. So there are solutions out there, I suppose, to the problems that are existing in terms of trying to find markets for these dairy bulls have. More buzzwords, uh, the Green Breed Project. I think that's understood to be connected in some way with a calf DNA testing which could be rolled out nationally. So the Green Breed Project, when we hear about that, uh, how does that contribute to your calf rearing and encouraging calf thrive and uh, profitability at the end of the day and suitability in any dairy-to-beef project? Yeah, so this is a, it's a contentious issue, really, John, when you consider uh, is underground. So the Green Breed Programme is, was, was designed to increase the number of dairy herds in the main that are uh, genotyping their animals. And, and I suppose with that DNA genotype, the ICDF, the Cattle Breeding Federation, and Chagasin have better information on the, you know, the real genetic merit of those animals. So it costs between 15 and 20 euros per animal to get that animal genotype and I suppose there's some resistance, particularly among some dairy farmers, for enduring that high cost in terms of getting the, those animals genotyped, because they mightn't see the full return on it. On the other hand, beef farmers want dairy animals genotyped so they can be certain of what the sire is. So in any calf, there's a dam and a sire. We know the dam pretty because it came out of the came out of the cow. In many cases, we don't know the sire. And up to forty percent of calves born on Irish dairy farms, beef breed calves. You know, we don't know the sire for that calf. So if those animals were genotyped, we'd know what the sire is. We would know then what the true genetic merit and the beef merit potential of that calf is. So there, 
you know, there is talk in, in I suppose, among those in, in, in power that there might be a new programme announced shortly which will encourage all farmers to genotype their calves and that some of the costs will be shared between the, the dairy farmer and, I suppose, the industry or, or the government might participate some funding towards that as well. That would be a, a positive move, I suppose, because you know, at least if the costs were shared, it would be, um, you know, the, the burden would be shared in and there would be better information available on the beef side. That certainly sounds an excellent idea there, Chagas, looking into the possibility of DNA registering calves on the research and demonstration farms. But, of course, they have to admit the farmer, the person whose whole livelihood would be involved in delivering this type of excellent activity and traceability, etc., of course, will they make enough money to cover their costs and leave a modest profit margin? Yeah, and that's the challenge, John, and I suppose... You know, those in the beef sector are looking at dairy farm incomes and saying there's plenty of money available on dairy farms to, to pay for that. Uh, well, it's a different story then on, on dairy farms that they need to, you know, milk prices are fluctuating and there's already high costs on dairy farms, so they might be willing to share some of that. So th- there is going to be conflict there. And I suppose the question is, is there has a cost-benefit analysis been completed, which would show, you know, how beneficial it will be to, in fact, have all animals genotyped. And I haven't seen that yet myself. And, of course, people there are still looking at uh, developments, some of them uh, not openly spoken about. But in the journal, again, ministers are setting the reference year as 2022 for a voluntary dairy cull scheme. That's something, of course, that people would be concerned about. Or they would like to know the full story because earlier in the journal, a week or two ago, you pointed out that the suckler exit scheme, the suckler exit scheme, was now completely quote off the table. But to be talking about a voluntary dairy cull—that's something again, which people, you know, they should read the journal and find out as much as possible about this. Exactly, John. Yeah. Look, I suppose that uh, to, to allay some fears farmers that have. We are told this is voluntary, and it's and you know no details of the scheme have been announced yet. But that the reference year will be twenty twenty two if there is a scheme announced. I suppose what the government doesn't want is dairy farmers increasing cow numbers this year in the you know in the half chance that they'll be paid to reduce them in future years. So at least now the reference is set for twenty twenty two. There'll be no ambiguity around that, um, and I suppose that's a positive in that sense. We we await the details of any scheme. Um, and, and what terms and conditions will be attached to it. But that's a key point. You know, in the initial discussions with the Dairy Vision Group, who are establishing some of these measures that, that the, you know, the, the Minister has, is now, you know, indicated he might, he might deliver on, um, they were suggesting, a, a, you know, compensation. And there was different rates of compensation, depending on whether the farmer was getting out of all his dairy cows or her dairy cows, or were only reducing their dairy cows. The other measure that, that was discussed is that if they got paid to get out of dairy farming, they couldn't then breed, have other breeding stock in the farm, whether that's buckler cows or contract-rearing heifers or, or rearing heifers of their own. So, you know, that's that way to be seen. We are hearing that, there's, you know, the, the, the market for, the, for land, the land rental market is fairly hot at the moment. Big money is being paid for, for land. And I suppose dairy farmers who are contemplating getting into that scheme, if they're not allowed then to lease that land to an existing dairy farmer or a farmer adjacent, a dairy farmer adjacent to them, that will reduce the value of their land. So there's a trade-off in that regard. We wait more details on any scheme if it's ever announced. 
but at least we've clarity that 2022 will be the reference year. Somebody who wants to maximise their number of calves being reared, modular housing, modular housing can play an important role. And again, we know about ventilation being so important. And here and there we hear about this rather strange-sounding smoke test to test the ventilation of your yeah. unit if you're rearing calves to make sure they've got this healthy ventilation without giving them a draft or a cold. Yeah, so the smoke test is an interesting one. Uh, look, now is time to do it before clients go into the, into the building. But you'd, you'd light a little fire um, and, and, and generate smoke in, in a, you know, obviously in, in a safe setting. So before there's any straw bedding in, inserted, um, usually what they do is they, they use it in a kind of a, a, a bucket and just generate smoke out of that. Um, so a small fire, generate the smoke in, 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 a, in a bucket and a steel bucket, obviously. And um, you want to monitor where that smoke is going. So if there's good ventilation, the smoke should rise and go out through the vents in the middle. If there's bad ventilation in the shed, the smoke will hang around. So it's just a, it's an easy test for farmers to do to see how good their ventilation is. We don't, you know, good good ventilation is essential for calves. And we do see, John, as we go around the country, in many cases, calves are housed in maybe poor buildings that weren't designed for calf rearing. They were old outhouses converted for calf housing and things like that. And if the ventilation and drainage and isn't good in them, you know, it's going to have knock-on effects for calf health. So it's important to get the, to get the buildings right for calves. Carrying out the smoke test, to, to be careful, as you say, they're starting a bucket, but is referred to sometimes, rather sensationally, as the smoke bomb test. You know, you let off this um, plume of smoke and see how quickly and to what extent it dissipates, and that'll be a good guide as to ventilation. And another term we hear sometimes, Yorkshire gap fencing, the Yorkshire boarding is is important because it lets in sufficient air and doesn't let in a draft or doesn't let in rain. So it's two, you know, it's it's that each gap is covered by a board, uh, and yet there's still air getting in. So they're very important for calf sheds. Look, you can there there is measurements there. Chagas have guidelines and Animal Health Ireland have guidelines in terms of how much ventilation is required and how much um, that's for letting air in, I should say, and then letting air out in terms of the vents and roofs, but. It's um it's important it's an important area to get right. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Aidan Brennan, dairy editor, Irish Farmers Journal. And of course we've only touched very, very briefly uh, on scratch the surface of all of the tremendous information, detailed information by several of your colleagues in this week's Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you very much indeed, Aidan. Mr. Aidan Brennan, dairy editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Thanks a million, Aidan. Thanks, John. You're very welcome. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Joining us on the farm programme, Mr. John McNamara, Chagas, basically in the west of the county. But John, you might please confirm to our listeners your role in Chagas, and I believe you're involved in a very important programme at the moment, a very important project. Oh, John, thank you. Yeah, I've been working on a joint programme and the same happens in Derrigal. I've been working in the giant programme with Carberry oh, for God knows how long, I think back to 1998 or something. And then uh, we got involved then um, uh, when, when Shinnok Farm, uh, which was owned by Derrigal and the West Cork Co-ops and, and eventually the West Cork Co-ops, when there was a demonstration farm set up there and we were, we were really, I suppose, trying to demonstrate that you could make a good return on a farm where you rented all the farm, paid fully for labour and borrowed all the money to run it. And we, we, we successfully did that, we think, for a number of years. And then as the whole environment out there changed, we started twisting a little bit more. Or I think the groovy word is we started pivoting a little bit more. 
to trying to do this in a more sustainable fashion and knowing where regulation was going to push us. Uh, I suppose our, our brainchild here in this would be Padraig French in, in Moorpark. And then our latest development there is Carberry, on behalf of the dairy industry, and they'd be very insistent, it is on behalf of the dairy industry. So our dairy gold and our carry people that are listening, our Tipperary and our listening suppliers as well, on behalf of them, they source funding from Science Foundation Ireland to set up Farm Zero C. Um, now, the joke down below is they got something like two million for that. We haven't seen a lot of the two million because, in fairness, a lot of it has gone into research in places like UCD and Moore Park. A main, a main one has been to try to come up or trial some additive you can see to cows because, as we know, 60% of our emissions really are coming from cow belching, not from the other end, from belching. And, and there's some money has been invested on farm as well. Uh, for example, the solar panels gone on the parlour, um, items like that, which we probably would have been doing anyway, but this gave us an extra bit of incentive. So Chinook, which I'm associated with, as well as the whole Carbage Joint programme, Chinook has become Farm Zero C on behalf of the whole dairy industry of Ireland. So very important, dairy research. All of that effort is going into the dairy industry in Ireland in general, but more specifically in Munster and Cork upcoming events, one in Canturk and one in Mallow. Before we go into our main conversation regarding some topical issues which are concerning your Chagas clients. So, upcoming events, John? We'll, we'll talk a little bit about nitrates and what are happening, but I'll probably make a aim to saying it over the radio. So, the best way of really getting your head around this, Cork East and my colleague Noreen O'Rahilly informs me, they're having two meetings next week out in the Mallow country, so I just got through the exact time. So, both of them are on at half seven. The first one is on Tuesday the 31st in Drum Tariff Hall, in other words, the Togas Cantork office. And in the following night, Wednesday, the 1st of February, in Springford Hall, which is covering the sort of the whole Togas Mallow office area. So both of them are on at half seven, and they're going to deal more comprehensively than what we might touch on today, which is the whole new nitrate changes, we call it. Of course, and derogation as part of the upcoming modification of the cap reform and the tendency to go towards uh, enhancing the environment, rewetting, rewilding, instead of trying to get optimal production from every square inch of your land. No one has squared that circle for me yet because the po- world population is going only one direction up. And and me as an advisor and and. and and, and talking to farmers, we feel more and more sort of constricted in what we're allowed to do and how much ground we can actually grow on. And that maybe lands us on just a touch on the, maybe to tee it up for next week's meetings on the nitrate changes that are coming. Like we know, in fairness, as cows produce more, they excrete more dung, for want of a better word, and there's more nitrogen in that. So there's a small change happening there that uh, about two-thirds of the country, their cows are in the band that is going up from the old figure of 89 to 92. I'm not worried about that. That's only 4%. There's a higher band, and we're lucky we only have three bands in Ireland because in Europe they have up to seven or eight bands, and we don't want more bands because it allows less movement. In fairness, there's about 18% of the country above 6,500 kilos of milk supply into, into the co-op. But when you actually look at them, they're on average feeding 1.8 tonnes of meal a cow a year. So a lot of these could probably make more money profitably by slipping back a small bit, cutting out some of that ration. Like, my comment there is you feed your... 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. For cows nearly as much as you can in spring and autumn because there's a great return on it in spring. They're struggling in difficult conditions. In the autumn, they just can't get enough grub into them for what they're doing. But across the summer, if you're having to feed more than inverted commas, what you need to feed to get them into the parlour, and I'm going to argue with no one over feeding a kilo of ration or whatever to get cows into the parlour, it's only small stuff. But if you're feeding more than that and you need to feed it, you really have to start asking yourself, am I running too high a stocking rate on my home farm? There is a lot of money on those marginal cows if you're having to do that. So the banding is going to have a small enough effect and maybe it'll direct us the right way. It's a 4% change, but the real worry is, the real worry is, and it's written into legislation at the minute, and this is my dilemma, how can we square needing more food with less animals around the place? There's a possibility we're going to drop from our 250 kilos of organic nitrogen, which is along something like 2.9 cows on a hectare, down to 220, which is barely... And uh, two and a half cows are in my old language, John, which you would understand about a cow to the acre. Now, that is going to impact us because that is going to take cows out of the system. Or worse again, and I really resent this, this is going to drive dairy farmers if their main objective is profit. And sadly, most of us, it has to be our main objective because we're trying to make a living off of the land and raise a family and do all these things. We don't have the luxury of inverted commas, hobby farming. And why I resent this, it is really going to more and more concentrate only cows and dairy farms because the new quota is your kgs of organic nitrogen. And a cow will make an awful lot more money for you per kg of organic nitrogen than an in-calf heifer, than a bull and heifer, and sadly, than, than any beef cattle. And yet we're going to have to have all these animals reared somewhere on the island of Ireland. So I don't know. That's a taste of it. Go to these meetings next week and I suppose really get your head around it might be the best thing. Could we please remind our listeners where the meetings are taking place, the date and venue and time, the one in Canturk and the one in Mallow? So they're both on at half seven. The Canturk one is in Drown Tariff Hall on Tuesday the 31st in Canturk. And on Wednesday, again at half seven, 
uh, on Wednesday, the 1st of February, in Springford Hall in Mallow. Could we look at a few uh, topical issues? I know we could spend hours and hours if we were to look at all of the issues, people's concerns, and some of the suggestions and recommendations Chagas might put to these people. In a weird way, our slurry has got more valuable because bag fertiliser has gone way up in price. And, it, OK, it might come, start coming down a little bit this year, John, if gas prices come back and things come across uh, the Ukraine, if that comes, if there's a solution one way or the other. But still, it's not going to radically come back because, as, as everyone says to me, when things go up, they have a tendency to stay up. They're slow to come back. So, crudely, that is putting a 1,000 gallons of slurry in a slurry tanker to minute worth 50 euros per 1,000 gallons. And people are really starting to respect the value of that because if you don't make full use of it, you've given away 50 euros. Or a small example there would be more and more people are minding that slurry. They're not going out with it in January when they're allowed. They're keeping it until they're getting better value out of it in February. In fact, recently I did figures with a farmer where he said, look, I mean, I had a good year last year, and maybe we shouldn't be saying it too loud, but last year was the best year I was ever involved in farming. I'm in it a small while. Yes, we had high costs crept up, but we had a milk price that I've never seen before. So there's money. There's money in the system from last year, and if there isn't, you have to really question yourself, what the hell are you doing if there isn't a lot of money around from last year? And this man was saying, I can make sense to build extra slurry storage so that I can spare my slurry and I can go with it out on land when I'm making the most use of it, whether that is late February, March or whatever. I'm not having to, we won't use the word dump in inverted commas, but we'll say having to use it when it's not ideal to not value out of it. So that's, what, that's a bit of good news, John, that we have very valuable stuff out there. Of course, and we're moving more and more, due to necessity, we're moving more and more towards um, self-sufficiency, sustainability, and in conjunction with the clover, planting clover in the right way, you know, fixing nitrogen in the soil, etc., clover, white or red. So those are examples of, uh, from the unfortunate situation in the Ukraine, nonetheless, we are having to look to what can we produce ourselves, even though we export a vast amount of livestock? So self-sufficiency, sustainability, those are the new buzzwords and very, very practical and words with real meaning. Yeah, yeah. and John, and maybe we'll just skip to the clover aspect of that. Like, I've been dragged screaming and kicking to clover if I want to be factual, John. I'm the man, and I better not quote it, but enough of... Banded people would have heard me over the years standing up at public meetings telling them when to go out with a bag of urea. And without getting into detail, I'd have been associating urea with the turkey, if you know what I'm trying to say here. So I've been dragged screaming and kicking into a new reality that, one, we can't go with nitrogen at that type of time, I was saying. Because, yes, on a good year, I might have had a good benefit from a grass growth point of view, but the risk for water quality was too big. And when you look at it, that is a major factor at the minute. And people, there's an ad somewhere for insurance. And it shows somebody doing a fraudulent insurance. And the, I think the catch line is, that person is taking money out of your pocket. And anybody spreading slurry or soil water irresponsibly anytime is taking money out of your pocket. Because in effect, what they're doing is, they're doing harm to our water quality in a slow way, which is forcing our regulations to reduce us from our 250 
to our 220. And God forbid we don't want to go to, if we lost derogation, the effect that would have, particularly in Cork or something like, is that half of the whole derogations in the country are, are in the city, are, you know, in the county of Cork. But we're getting better that way. We're definitely getting better. But just as a reminder, if you see a neighbour of someone doing that, you should be viewing that as he is taking money out of your pocket going ahead. Yeah, of course, because of our history, etc., and the role of the informer, people, they lose the, their sense of proportion and they feel it's wrong to call out anyone doing wrong, even though it's uh, clearly criminal. But, John, we were talking about Clover there, and I know that Chagas have done great studies on Clover and the impact of Clover, but if you suddenly change to a very, very high proportion of clover in your pasture. There is such a thing, I believe, as um, the clover bloat. So it's something to monitor very carefully if you are going into clover to do it uh, in a measured way. Clover, because I knew what nitrogen, bag nitrogen could do, and maybe we were patsies of the chemical industry for a long time. Gradually, both on farms and then Chinook below, and I must give credit to Kevin Hearn, our manager below, he was more sort of pro-clover than maybe I was at the start. And by getting clover in and getting a decent level of establishment of clover and then backing off your nitrogen, because grass won't grow, grass will grow, but it'll only do something like six tonne without nitrogen. So you need nitrogen then from either the clover or the bag to get it to grow to our 12, 13, 14 tonne to the hectare. And if you back off your nitrogen, you give it nitrogen in spring because it's going to be a bit slower uh, growing because it needs higher side temperatures. You give it nitrogen up until, we'll say, the 1st of May, for argument's sake. Then you back off. Clover can do the job. Our figures out of Chinook last year, and this is, we're not a, we're not a more park or no scientific trial, but been fair right across. The clover fields, they've got 75 kilos, whichever that is in units, about 60 units of nitrogen up to about the 1st of May, produce the exact same amount of grass as the paddocks that got 175 kilos of nitrogen. Now, they actually produce a little bit more, John, but Kevin has been very, very fair in saying, well, maybe they were slightly better ground and more receded. So being as fair as we can, we're quite happy they did the same. And the other point is, we have two fields now of red clover set, one set in 2021 late, another one set in, in this year. And the one set in 2021 was producing... Decent levels of silage last year, not top-notch. We're hoping for top-notch this year with no bag nitrogen. Now, that's a big movement from a man here that would have been advocating, you know, 250, 300 kilos of nitrogen before this. We're getting confidence about clover. But, John, you said a big warning, and I think we need to flag that up and do not downplay it. You have to protect against bloat because nobody wants to lose cows. And the way to protect, which is more work, is... When you let the cows into the field, and this is more particularly for farmers that have, you know, two or three paddocks high clover and the rest is normal grass, so the cows are new to it. When you let the cows in, you put up a strip wire for three hours. You force them to eat grass as well as clover. They'll steady down a bit then. The rumen and the whole stomach system will be working better. But the other way, if you let them into the field in clover, someone will guard themselves in clover, and the next thing you'll see is the four legs in the air. Bloat oil might help a little bit as well, but really it's that, whatever we call it, grazing wire for the three hours or something, it's a better option. 
could you please uh, remind our listeners of the dates, venues and times and topics for the upcoming Canturk and Mallow meetings for anyone who may just have uh, missed out the start of our conversation? Both meetings are going to be on at half seven. The first one is on Tuesday the 31st in Drown Carliff Hall in Canturk. And the following night, Wednesday the 1st of February in Springford Hall in Mallow. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. John McNamara of Chagas. Thank you, John, and let's hope people attend those meetings. John, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you. You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme, Senator Tim Lombard, Fine Gael. First of all, Senator Lombard, welcome to the Farm Programme. Tim, the Nitrates Action Plan. Yeah, look, I'm deeply concerned. This is probably one of the biggest issues, in particular in the dairy industry. Look, we've over 6,000 derogations out there. We have um, another few thousand people are importing and exporting slurries. So there's a, a large catchment of farms that could be affected by these rule changes. And it's very important for the Irish agriculture industry that we maintain the derogation that we have at the moment. And it's based off water quality, and water quality is the key issue in this entire debate. And look, we've had ups and downs in that debate over the last few years. But I personally believe that, you know, the EPA published a report a few months ago I think they were unfair to the farming community how they pigeonholed them into the re- being the real problem here. They definitely are part of the issue, but there's other actors in this game as well. I think local authorities play a huge part here. Wastewater treatment plants from local authorities, which are unregulated and some issues are causing problems. But for me, when you look at the actual body of farming and the body of agriculture in Cork, we actually have no body of water and quark that's in bad quality. And that's a really important statement. So we've made significant progress when it comes to Cork County itself. And I would speak always about the Catherine program down in Timberlake, Barry Row area, which is a one of one of six programs run by the department, by Tagish, with the help of the department, involving 18 different um, individuals that are working with them. A budget of over 2 million euros running these catchment programs. But that catchment program tests water every three minutes, rather than the EPA program that tests water twice a year. And the catchment program has shown a significant decline in the nitrates in the water. And I think that's an important statement. And I think when you have such a, an appropriate competent body running a system down in Barry Road, Timberlake direction that shows the water quality is improving, that has to be a part of the in-game to show the European Union and to show the EPA as well that our water quality is improving. And look, we've seen significant changes in farming practice in the last 18 months, two years in particular. The amount of farmers using the trading shoe, the mechanism to spread slurry, has increased dramatically. In fact, all farmers in derogation now use it. We've seen other forms of nitrogen brought on board, which are really positive and have lower the actual impact of nitrogen on the, on the soil and onto the actual water quality as well. So farming and the farming community have moved massively in a very, very short space of time. The results are coming towards the water quality that we need, and that's been proven even by the EPA report, which I think is somewhat damning in their headlines. When you deep down, down into it, it shows that we actually have no bad water quality in Cork which is really significant for the size of the county and the amount of agricultural activity that we have. So I'd be hoping, even if you take all these actors into consideration, we can hold on to a derogation because the agricultural industry and the dairy industry is very important for our local communities and they play a vital role for West Cork in particular. 
You've just referred there to a number of the issues, a number of the good points I was going to put to you regarding the Timber League situation and the other catchment uh, monitoring areas around the country. And it's just possible that when we look at the next audit of fertilizer and emissions, etc., we may find as a result of big changes in farming practices, the use of slurry, the use of that valuable uh, resource slurry, not uh, waste, the use of clover, growing clover, etc. So we might find that overall emissions are down substantially and the water quality as a result of the unfortunate situation in the Ukraine and the high cost, the rocketing costs of fertilizer, we might find, in fact, that our water quality as a result of not applying so much artificial fertilizer due to cost, we might find, in fact, water quality and all round the environment is uh, improving. Yeah, and I think that's what I saw when I went down and visited the site in Timberleague a few months ago now, I saw that the results that they were getting back compared to the last year in 2018 were really significant, dramatically down on where we are, in particular in the drought year in 18. So it just shows you how we actually changed the actual farming mechanism. You might just remind our listeners how frequently a record is taken of the monetary activity at the Timberleague plant and the other catchment area monitors around the country, but it's uh, several times within the day, within the hour even. Within the hour, this is a monitoring program, um, something that we haven't seen in Ireland previously. It has um, it's there over 15 years now to stay. It has a budget of over two million euro. It has 18 people working on it, and it tests water through a me- uh, through a mechanism. That water is tested, I believe, once every three months. So it really is significant. And I had the privilege and pleasure of being down there with the people who that site a few months ago now. And they went through how the actual process is done and how the information is gathered. And I think when you have that information, live information showing that water quality has improved dramatically, in what really is one of the most intensively farmed catchment areas in the country, you have everything down there. In, those, in, the, in that catchment in particular, you can think of dairy, you would have a little bit of poultry, you definitely have some pigs. It is a significant agricultural location, really good decrease in the nitrates in the water, and I mean significant. And I'm looking forward to those results being published in the next few weeks, which hopefully will give farmers confidence that the good work they're doing regarding the nitrogen they've changed to their use of organic manure, all these issues which have dramatically changed in the last 18 months to two years have now begun to see effect. And this is a race in time. We need to make sure we have enough time to make sure we can actually get an appropriate report together to be hold on to a derogation. And we've been very proactive. And look at the cooperative movement with Shannock Farm. They've shown how multi-species can work there, how clover can work there. All these elements of education are fierce important for the farming community. And when you tie the education factor that the farming community are involved in, the actual research that Tigers and the department are, on, are involved in, I would be hopeful if we are going the right direction. The Keelche UK Gresham Investment Fund. Now we refer to the Irish Farmers Journal, Saturday 28th of January 2023, Government backs away from future investment fund deals, but of course it's pointed out that the current controversial deal, apparently the five-year joint venture, regardless of farmer outcry, it would appear we as a country are locked into this. But your general overview of this highly contentious 
Culture UK Investment Trust question. How you see the situation and what would you like to see done at this stage? I think the look the situation has been very, very unfortunate. I think we're, we've published a forestry programme that's worth something like 1.3 billion euros to the sector. And like we're proposing literally 450,000 hectares to be planted between now and 2050, which is equivalent to half the size of Cork County. So it's a really significant forestry program that we're pushing out. We're making the targets are increasing our forestation targets from 11% nearly up to 18%. And this deal that's been proposed and it's probably gone through at this stage, it was a mistake to, for Creelchurch to get involved with this entity and to bring in foreign investment of this nature into the actual forestry sector itself. I know it's only going to be equivalent to 1% of the forestry sector, but it's still a significant statement that they brought them in. I'm very much aware that the minister and the junior minister would have met senior executives from Quilcher, and I'm happy that they have now got an agreement that there will be no more of this international leverage funding coming in place regarding running or financing our actual forestry sector. I personally believe that this is about the farming community, it's about landowners, but there's also a social dynamic here. Because of this outcry in the last 10 days about having an international firm coming on board, I think the general public wants to be a part of this. And I said this at the, at the agricultural meeting yesterday in, in the Shannon and the Dáil about having a process in place that everyone can be involved in funding our forestry sector. Something like an SSIA policy where everyone can pay into it so we can run our own funding. The general public wants to be a part of this project. Flexibility. Some farmers will say you have to get a licence to thin out, you know, waiting for a thinning licence, waiting for a felling licence. All of these blocks put in the way of Irish farmers investing, but apparently the way Creelcher and other people go about it, they get um, sanctioned far quicker. So farmers, Irish farmers are saying if they had a freeing up of all these rules and regulations, which they don't find in other EU countries, even in our dear neighbour Scotland, they feel, certainly, let it be the farmers, help the farmers. So what I'm basically saying is that you go and you get your compliance for the entire period of your forest. And that is what's required to make sure that we can get the buy-in. Buy-in is really important. Like, the forestry issue is really important, and the only way we're really going to solve it is get confidence back into the sector. The confidence needs to be brought into the sector by making sure that it, there should be a forestry management plan put in place across the entire forest from when you plant it to when you actually fell it. We can't be waiting for compliance issues regarding felling licenses, regarding uh, roadway licenses. This needs to be done at the start of the actual procedure. And if you have that, then you have the confidence that people are going to get back into forestry. Like the forestry scheme itself, it's worth 1.3 billion euros. It's a really significant scheme. It involves a really unbelievable amount of hectares involved, something like 450,000 hectares were planted between now and 2050. Because unfortunately, in particular the last three years, we had a huge delay problem when it came to licences. That now has diminished to some degree, but we still just need to build the confidence, in particular after this huge package has been put in place. 
Senator Tim Lombard, the Oireachtas Agricultural Committee Vice Chair, thank you very much indeed for speaking to the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme. And no doubt uh, the topics you raised there will cause uh, ongoing uh, debate, but at least uh, it has come now to the fore, this whole issue of Kielce, the Nitrates Action Plan, and those are issues which deeply concern farmers in Cork and indeed nationwide. Thank you, Tim, very much indeed. Thanks a million. And that's the Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony, 96.3FM News Editor, Mairead Tuig, 96.3FM News Reporter, and Mairead Tuig, also creator of the regular Farm Talk podcast. A very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.